Hey, what's up, my people? Hope you're doing well. Welcome to today's show. If you're new here, be a good soul and make sure to hit subscribe. And if you're a kickback veteran, firstly, we appreciate you. And secondly, I hope you're still spreading the word about the show. Oh, and be sure to keep giving us your feedback too. You can find us on Instagram and on Twitter. And the handle is kickback underscore Nadem. But anyway, back to the show. I'm here at Mountaineer Studios in Draper, Utah, and it's time to introduce today's guest. He's a Canadian international, a former teammate and good friend of mine, and he's currently playing his trade for Cardiff City in the EFL Championship. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoy my conversation with the Brampton legend that is Junior Hoylet. Yeah, here he is. What's happening? What's up, son? What's going on, man? Not much, man. You good? Let me put my headphones in. All right. Yeah, finally, man, you're on. Yeah, man. Yeah, where's uh, where's your game, by the way? Uh, we're away at Nottingham. All right, okay. Well, I'm technically still recording, so I'm not going to throw too much slander on that game, yeah? <laughs> He's going to keep it quiet for now. So, right. are you ready, yeah? Yeah, man. So, firstly, man, Junior Hoylet, welcome to the show. It's good to see you again, man. Thank you, man. It's, it's, been, uh, it's been a little minute. So, first, like, how are you? How are you doing, man? Good man, good. It's, uh, it's crazy times right now, but family's good. That's the main thing. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, so just here, focusing on this game for tomorrow. Everything's good. Okay, that game for tomorrow is irrelevant. Let me just tell you why. Okay, so when we talk on this show, we don't talk about current affairs like that, and okay. I don't, and I don't want those basic answers from you as well. Okay. <laughs> this is, Pressure. <laughs> this could get locked off so quickly. If you do any of that, this will get locked off. Okay, and you'll never be heard by anyone. All right. I heard you. I heard you. <laughs> Right. So, so be yourself. Be the reason why we're friends, not like the teammate thing. Okay. All right. Cool. 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 All right. So, I want to talk a bit about your story, and then there are also certain themes within your story as well, which I will really want to get into because I feel like they're quite important when people want to talk about what it is to be a professional. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, don't worry because it's nothing too serious. But I just want some honesty. Yeah. You so you good with that? I'm good. I'm good. All right. Cool. Well, let's begin. So your story. Yeah? I remember. The first time I saw you playing, you actually made your debut against my team, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, my Premier League debut against Man City at what? 19? 19, yeah, I was 19. I came back from uh, a loan spell at Germany. I remember. Don't tell too much of your story yet. Don't tell too much of your story yet. Uh, relax, 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 relax. <laughs> I'm in control here. Relax. Yeah, I remember seeing you. I thought, ah, oh, this play is good, but. I was on the bench that day, but this was like the new age city where they had like Gareth Barry's, Adebayo's, all that. Like, that I was... remember that. I remember I was worried up and I shit myself. I was worried up inside Tempest. I was like, I shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it, it was different. And to be fair, I think City that day, I think they kind of taught you a lesson. But, you know, it is what it is. It is what hey, it is. But hey. the big question I really wanted to know, though, looking back then, is like, how does a boy from Brampton end up playing through like Blackburn Rovers Academy, like how did you even get there? Uh, um, well, back in the day, Canada they didn't have the no teams in the MLS. There was no no two path for kids coming through. So it was either you go to college and then after college you go to the uh, USL, get a USL team, or or go to a local uh, MLS team. But for kids, is in Toronto, there's a it's pretty tough, but uh, I was lucky. I, I went with a team from Wales, I mean, team from Canada to a tournament in Wales, and mm -hmm. I got started at the age of 11. 
11. I got scouted. Is, don't don't uh, look at me asking the question. I have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was 11, 11. Yeah, I got scouted from Blackburn and a few uh, Man United and a few other teams. And uh, uh-huh. yeah, I made the move over at age 13 to Blackburn. So just, you said it there, but I don't understand. So you said you had the choice of Blackburn or Man United, yeah? So what's what's going on? Well, at the time where I went to trial with both and my Blackburn was more interested in me, wanted me to um, move over at the age 13 and my United hasn't, hadn't made a decision. They still wanted me to come back and forth on trial and wasn't uh-huh. determined to make that step. And uh, hmm. back then I didn't have a visa. So Blackburn, yeah, you needed a work permit. I didn't have a, a British passport, so you needed a work permit. And right, the idea okay. was for me to be there for four four years and then get my passport. Right. Okay. So yeah. was that frustrating then when you were going through, say, all the age groups in the academy, but you weren't actually able to make your debut because of the fact that there were work permit issues? Yeah. The, I remember at sixteen when I was I was at Blackburn and. I got offered a contract, but I couldn't officially sign the contract. I couldn't get a work permit. So really? I was basically, I was basically just training, training for about, about six, six months, okay. just training. And I'm training with under 18s, the reserves and everybody at the end of the week gets a match, but I don't get a match. So it right. was getting frustrating at the time. And then that's when they decided for me to go on loan abroad to, play games and get the work permit. And where did you go to first? Uh, first, I went to Paderborn. Okay. I went to Paderborn at uh-huh. age 17. And then I was there for six months and then I went on loan again to St. Pauli in Germany. Six months again? For one season. Ah, you went for the full season. Yeah. Which, um, were they both in Bundesliga 2? Yeah, Bundesliga 2. It was great. Right. It was a great experience. Uh, uh, you get to learn... Uh, new tactics and how the German style play, uh-huh. how they were so uh, organized and uh, the way they run their clubs is totally different than England. It was a good ex- I, can't, I, I can't imagine you speaking German though. <laughs> I, I try I try my hardest. It's like, too hard for me, man. Oh, look, I could just imagine you just walking around saying, Keiner sprechen Sie Deutsch, Keiner sprechen Sie Deutsch. Ein bisschen, ein bisschen. <laughs> no, that's brilliant, man. So, did you, did you, after the year and a half that you spent there, did you think about staying or not? Yeah. Um, so, when I was at that year at St. Pauli, I did really well, and a number of Bundesliga teams wanted me because I had one more year left on my contract at Blackburn at uh-huh. the time. So, it kind of put pressure on Blackburn to get my work permit and get me back over to, to England ASAP because the new teams were interested. Like, so, uh-huh. uh, Hamburg and uh, Schalke were interested at the time. Okay. And, yeah, so they put they they put in the work permit. It got rejected, and then they put it, they appealed it, and they won the appeal. And then I remember that I got a phone call when I was on holiday. Like, yeah, you're coming back to Blackburn. I was like, what? Oh, <laughs> were you were happy with that, or you were sad? <laughs> you were happy, or you were sad? I was buzzing. I was, of course, you go back to Blackburn, play in the Premier League. I was buzzing. <laughs> Listen, only someone that's like, <laughs> no, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to pull up. I'll stop. I was going to talk about Blackburn, but I'm going to stop. stop. <laughs> but who was, your, who was your coach then when you actually start, firstly, uh, first made your debut? When I first made my debut? Uh, yeah. Sam Allardyce. Sam Allardyce, okay. Yeah. So what was the team like back then for Sam Allardyce to think that you were going to be the answer to all his problems? 
the team well, they had uh, Jason Roberts, Benny McCarthy, Martin uh, Gans uh, Patterson. Uh-huh. I didn't just for me because you know, I grew up uh, in the academy uh, uh-huh. watching watching the Premier League games and everything. I was just excited to be around it, get back over there. No, but but like you missed my point. Like Sam Allardyce is known for a certain style of football, and the oh. first two people you named were like, "I get it." And then the next person you named takes really long throws. So like, how does your <laughs> game fit in? How does your game fit in with that? And my game really didn't fit in at that. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, the old old fashioned Sam Allardyce football didn't fit in. <laughs> yeah, but to be fair to him though, he gets he gets the best out of his team. You know, yeah, and he, he always has done. But like I'm thinking about it, like I'm thinking Junior Hoylet was part of that team. He didn't have a long throw. He had no leap. He had no speed. No strength. <laughs> like, how how does that work? No, to be fair, someone so I remember when they put they put uh, Chris Samba up front. Remember yeah. those days? Yeah, 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 <laughs> he yeah. Put Chris yeah. Samba up front and he had Benny McCarthy on the bench. I remember those days. It was crazy. Yeah, for <laughs> real, man. So, what, real question now about Sam. Like, what do you think he actually liked about you? I think um, it's a good question. I, Thank I you, man. Know. I've done it. This is episode fifty-one, fifty-two. If you think I, about I it, it's um, good questions. It was a different. It was a just, uh, my style was more attacking, so and getting at defenders to get the crosses into the box. I guess mm-hmm. he needed somebody to break it up from just that direct football, yeah. and I guess he needed somebody with that bit of flair that could create something out of nothing at cer- at those certain times. Okay, okay. So a lot of people don't realize, but like Blackburn Rovers, they're a big club. Obviously, they spend a lot of time in the championship now, but they're a big club. And most people that I would speak to don't even realize that they've won a Premier League before. You know, like they're as sick as it is, they've got the same amount of titles in the Premier League as Liverpool. You know, it's true. <laughs> That's facts. So, don't want to throw a Liverpool shade, but the <laughs> <laughs> facts are facts, huh? You know what I mean? <laughs> So what what were like the fan expectations there, given the fact that at one point they were the best team in the land, but then you know for years after they were nowhere near it. That's true. That's facts. Uh, Blackburn Blackburn has a a massive history, but I guess uh, like it's a turning point where they need to get back to that, which I don't think they'll get back to that. that what did fans did fans still have some expectation like they should be winning every single week, or are they more realistic now? But now, no, uh, just from back then, from when you were there. No, there was a, there was just uh, at the time there was a mid-table team, and uh, just happy to uh, fight for a mid-table. They wasn't expecting to win every every week, mm. in and out, because they knew at the time they couldn't compete with the likes of uh, Man United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, everybody else, everybody else. Yeah. But anyway. So after all that time, they're going through the academy, going through the whole like spell of traveling abroad and so on. You finally get your work permit. You spend some time in the team, and then you leave on a free. What? Why did you leave? Uh, at the time, we got relegated, and uh, it's my contract was up. I didn't feel that the club was going in the right direction with the new owners coming in and uh, the the way that the owners came in with the ambition. It wasn't bringing any players in, so at the time, I was in my prime, and uh, I didn't commit to signing new contract because I didn't know which direction the club was going. And then once we got relegated, it, 
I didn't renew my contract there. Listen, that's a big, that's a big, big, big statement from someone who would be so young to decide that the club, the only club they've known in the UK, like you're just going to go and just leave because it's not right for you anymore. Like who was advising you at that point? Uh, I got, I had my, my father and uh, my agent at the time working with me. And of course, once a young player is playing, I was playing week in, week out in the Premier League and your name was ringing around. They thought the best, uh, at that time, the best thing for me to do was uh, see my contract out. Okay. Well, interestingly, anyway, after that, you so you say you went down for Blackburn that year, but my team, QPR, we stayed up. So you came and joined the enemy, yeah? You came and joined <laughs> us, yeah? So my first question is like, why QPR? Uh, at the time, Mark Hughes was there, and I worked under Mark Hughes at Blackburn. He's the one that first got me involved training with the the first team week in, week out. And uh, I, I was comfortable with his style of play and mm -hmm. he, the way his ambitions and which he wanted the QPR to go at the time. And uh, I think for me, there's a stepping stone. Uh, I knew I'd go there and get playing time. I didn't want to, uh, well, I didn't have major offers at other team at, at the time of my, so my plan was to go there get playing time and then use stepping stone to progress in my career. Okay, so let's call it what it is, yeah? Let's be very, very serious and honest here because I know, like, <laughs> there are people listening who know what happened. So that first year you came was a disaster, to say the least, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> let's call it what it is, huh? Yeah. That year was a disaster. Was it 16 games we went without winning at the start of the season or was it more? I think yeah, we brought it was a record, didn't it? We, yeah, <laughs> record holders, man. <laughs> it was a terrible record to have. Bro, yeah, it was mad. Let, let's, like coming off like, a high, coming off a high for us of staying up on the last day of the season, to then go to that, like, bro, that stuff there still gives mad. me headache now thinking about it. It was like, mad. It was mad. To but be fair. From your experience, what do you think went wrong that year? Um. Oh, so actually, before you, before you answer, before you answer, before you answer, even though this may end up in the press, I don't work for the press. So talk to me like you would talk to me as if this wasn't going to the press. <laughs> no, I think uh, there's a number of stuff. I think uh, at the time uh, they signed a lot of players in, a, in that one window that yeah. that wasn't committed and mm -hmm. on the same page as other players. And mm -hmm. there's, um, uh, I didn't think, they gave Mark Hughes enough time to to progress with the team, and then there's also people uh, people in the in the team that was jealous and wasn't uh, there to for the cause of the team, and mm -hmm. it disrupted the dressing room, and uh, a lot of things happened behind the scenes that reflected onto the field. Yeah, that's a fact. Even so, you. You've kind of mentioned certain things, but skimmed around others because you're not trying to throw anyone under the bus yeah. But I'll try and put a bit more on it. So I found that second year, and it was a little bit like that in the first year when I was there. Like the club, QPR as a club itself, yeah. it's got a tradition, it has a history. And for the recent, for the recent years, it's been known as like a championship, mid-table championship team, maybe sometimes lower. And you have players who fit that mold and that's what the fans were used to. Exactly. So the identity of the club was one which was built around, mm -hmm. say, players like Jamie Mackey, Clint Hill, Sean Darius, you know what I mean? People like that who did very well for the club. And then yeah. the year we stayed up, 
we stayed up and then in the, the summer we started bringing in new players. So it wasn't necessarily players like yourself who could adapt and fall into that identity. But yeah. we had people on the same field who, someone who might have played most of their career at League One, next to someone who's played most of their career in the Champions League. Champions someone, League yeah. people, people who are winning league titles and stuff like this. So the quality overall was there. But the yeah. chemistry in terms of making it come together and find success wasn't. And Yeah, there like, was too much of a, a gap as well. Yeah, and it's it's tough when things get like that because when you're winning, there's no stress fine, whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect remedy. Like you win, every, no worries. But when you start losing and now you've got five, six, seven different ideas of how you're supposed to get out of the situation. Yeah, like, and everybody's you could, pointing uh, fingers. Yeah. Well, listen, I've never pointed a <laughs> finger in my life except at you. But anyway, like you'd have someone, you'd be playing a game and you know we're, got, we're away somewhere and it's like a big team, United or what, Man United or whatever. And someone like Esteban might be thinking in his head, let's get the ball down and play because he's used to being with Real Madrid and getting the ball down and playing. But yeah. then he could be playing with someone who came from the team from the Championship and League One who's like, let's just get behind the ball and stand tough. But yeah. you need 11 people doing the same the thing. Same thing, no, yeah. Or there's nothing at all, you know? Exactly. And the frustrations from both sides, like one guy saying, why are you trying to play so much? The other guy saying, why are you not trying to play at all? Like the chemistry just wasn't, the battle, well, yeah. not the chemistry. Like there were good people I think, there. I don't think everybody was on the same page. And uh, like I said, I don't think the the manager had enough time mm. to get everybody on the same page. And uh, I think it was too much signings at the at the wrong time as well. Yeah. I think uh, the transition period was kind of rushed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that because it it kind of felt like going into that next year in the Premier League is almost, not that we'd made it as such, but we created a found later foundation. Mm. But when there's, if you ever find a place that's got a lot of player turnover, it always ends up being a case where when things go wrong, things can go really, really wrong because there's no identity to fall back onto because you yeah. don't know what it is to be there anymore. But then again, like the fans were used to seeing one thing, but now there were players coming in who were good at another thing. So it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't quite balance out. But anyway, we'll, we'll come back to certain elements of that in a bit. But what would you say the best thing about playing at QPR was? I think... I think meeting 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 people like likes of of you of course and then uh duh, duh. <laughs> obviously like yeah you meet I met a lot of, of people that I would keep in touch with uh mm-hmm. now and also uh I took the negative and it helped me as a character going forward in my career. So for instance yeah. like uh there's a spell at, at QPR that really tests me as as a as a person where I was nowhere near the team and it helped me build, uh, build character to, uh, really fight and, uh, especially work harder on and off the field and, uh, actually take, take, uh, the craft serious to prove people wrong. And then I think, I think, um, that's, that's credit down to people like you, Sean Wright Phillips and, uh, a few others that helped help had the time to help players where times were hard and people were just turn the the yeah. the eye at you and yeah. helping you get through times like that. I think that's one thing people uh, take for granted as well. Yeah, that's that's a fact actually. But it's annoying because you've you've basically commented on a topic which I was going to get to later. <laughs> Like, just listen, just let me lead this, okay? Let me lead this. Let me, I know you do but, a job, let me do a job. Yeah, but, no, but what, what, you said, what you said is true. It's, but as I say, I'll get into that later. For me, I think when I was there, 
for the ups and downs and stuff that we had, I think when my career's finished, I look back and some of the, my favorite games that I'd ever played in were actually at Loftus Road. Because yes, when sure. the stadium was only 17, 18,000, but when the place got rocking mm. and the fans are literally there by the side of the field, mm. like the energy is different, huh? It's mad, it's mad, it's mad. One of, the, one of my favorite games is uh, the playoff game against Wigan. Wigan. Oh, we'll oh. get into that again. Let me lead this. Let me lead this. Stop. But yeah, the energy was different. It was it was different, man. And you know, I really, as I say, we had some horrible games there where the fans were there to just get mm. us. But in the same breath, you know, when things are going the right way, special. What would you say the worst thing was then? Uh, the worst thing? I can buy you time and give you my thing if you want. Yeah, go on. All right, cool. I think um, from my side, the worst thing about being there was it was that lack of identity for so many years. Mm. So you never really knew what the club was and how yeah. things were trying to work out. We all wanted to try and achieve something, but we yeah. weren't. We were never really united in trying to do it or how we were going to try and do that, yeah. whether it was management, whether it was players or whatever, you know? Yeah. And like, that was tough. That was tough because as well, when you, when you go through spells where you're constantly losing, it's yeah. the worst profession in the world. Exactly. You know exactly. what I mean? It's miserable. Yeah, I, th I think that's that's true because I think that club could be a massive club and should be in the Premier League. And yeah. uh, I think if it was like minor things like the way uh, the it was it was run and certain things that would have made a difference, and we could have turned that screw to help yeah. us to, to remain in the Premier League and uh, lock down as a Premier League club. Yeah, yeah. that was frustrating because I knew that at the time we had the potential to to stay in the Premier League and uh, make mm -hmm. a mark as well. But yeah, I think that that was pretty frustrating. All right. So <laughs> another question like this. So yet again, you leave another club on a free transfer. Mm. Why, why, why did you leave this time? At the time I left because uh, I wasn't happy with the, the backroom staff and how they, they was running it and how they treated me at a certain, certain, certain time. And I mm. didn't think, I didn't think they had uh, my genuine uh, interest at heart uh -huh. to help me progress in my career. And yeah. uh, I didn't want to go through that spell again, knowing that. So uh, for me, if I, if it, at the time when I was on the free transfer, if it wasn't for Warnock, I still wouldn't have been in the, in the, in the team. When Warnock came yeah. and put me in the team and I started doing well. Yeah. And then Hasselbank came in and he kept playing me and I, I was doing well. Yeah. I could have easily still been in the stands because they didn't want me. But yeah. like football is it's crazy. Just one manager could uh, change, change, change a career. So uh, yeah, for sure. I think that's that was one of my uh, main reasons I didn't want to stay at the club because the the backroom staff at the time uh, didn't have my best interests at heart, and uh, it was I was just lucky that another manager came in and put me in in the position to play. Yeah, okay. So now you find yourself in Wales playing for Cardiff City. So what made you choose there? Uh, Warnock. This uh, guy will follow a manager around the country, by the way. My God. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was out of contract. And, uh, Yo. I was out of contract. Out of contract and uh, Warnock got a job and he, he, was the he was the first person to call me. And, uh, okay. So as long as so as long as your ex-managers have a job somewhere in the world, you will continue <laughs> playing, yeah? Hey. You gotta do what you gotta do, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. Okay. But yeah, and, that was um, the main, main reason. Uh, Warnock went there and he got a, he had a job there, and uh, I respected uh, what he'd done for me at QPR, and I knew mm-hmm. uh, he he would give me minutes to play and help me get to the next level. Right. I don't know if this is this is too hot for the podcast yet, but with Warnock, I remember one particular thing he said to you when he was uh, assistant, and I thought, should we go into it or not? Would you what reckon? Do you say? So, <laughs> right, this is hot. Okay, so nobody, please. <laughs> anyway, let's talk. So you were out of favor, but yeah. you made a squad, yeah, and we're getting ready for a game day. And Warnock was the assistant, but you were very much out of favor. Yeah. And the team got named, and then the coach we won't name names, but the coach left anyway. And then Warnock came back into the locker room and walked over to you, and says, "Oh, I love wingers, me." You know, if I was coach, you'd be playing. And I thought, this sneaky man. I remember that. I remember yeah, that. for real. I was like, but like, you couldn't have been any more out of favor in that moment, but he came you know. in as a, as a number two. Yeah, listen, hey, hey, if you, yeah, if I was coach, yeah. Next thing, there you are in Cardiff playing for him. No, oh, that's, what, that's what I mean. He, uh, I don't know if he was there with him when he was with Tarak. Uh, no, know? it wasn't. No, no, oh. no. Well, well, he he knows he knows how to put confidence into into players that could change a moment for him and help him win games. So, I think that's his his secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a secret because he technically shouldn't have been undermining his head coach. But sure, anyway, <laughs> we move on. <laughs> so the anyway, the club has literally had many ups and downs, but you look pretty happy there. You know, you've been there. Is it is this his third year now? Or was it fourth year? Uh, yeah, that's my it's my fourth year. Yeah, fourth season. Okay, yeah. so so what exactly is it about the place that's helped you feel so comfortable? It's a it's, it's a it's a family orientated club. There's uh, great players and great backroom staff. It's it's uh, completely different to where QPR where does a lot of egos and stuff like that. But uh-huh. um, yeah, it's a, the the backroom staff and the players are here. Always, all have one goal and uh, to help each other. And you could, you could see that when you're on the fi- on the field, uh, everybody's fighting for each other and and uh, really have the uh, best interests at heart. Okay, so that's a great answer from the textbook. Congratulations, you can read. Good for you. <laughs> so, <clears throat> listen, I've made an effort not to go into massive detail about your career just yet, and that's because there've been some really big and sort of interesting topics related to it, which I'd like to speak about in more detail, but I didn't really want to affect the flow of the show, yeah? But yeah. anyway, here we are. So let's do it, and I hope you're ready, yeah? This mm-hmm. now requires 100% honesty, okay? I hear you. Because I'll be honest, we're going to be very open here, okay? I I'll include you. myself in some of this, all right? So for you, you've had two permanent transfers that have come from being on a free from clubs, Yeah. So the perception of you is always going to be that you turn down the chance to stay at the club, yeah? That's always going to be the perception. We never really concerned about how the old fans would think of you. Mm-hmm. Were you never concerned, though? No? Uh, no. For me, it's what's best for me at the time. Um, at the time, Blackburn, when I went on a free, I wasn't certain what direction the club was going. And at the time, QPR, when I left at free, I tried. I tried to get out before numerous times before, but they wouldn't agree on a price or uh, certain things fell through, and mm-hmm. I happened to go on a free 
uh, at the time my contract was running out and I didn't want to be in that environment again. So it's for me at times it's what's for my best interest at heart. I'm not mm-hmm. worried about what, uh, what the fans would think or anything, but for me, it's what's best for me in my career. Okay. Because it's like, I know you and all the people who are in the same dressing rooms, you know, you, but people on the outside, they only ever know you according to your public actions. Mm-hmm. So some of the grief that say you get given at some points, like it cuts me a bit deep because like we're friends and we're mm-hmm. friends based on like who you are as a person. But like yeah. I say, you're always being judged on what happens on a Saturday or what, why you're not at a club anymore. So yeah. I remember, I think it was 2017, maybe you come back to QPR, but playing for Cardiff and you get booed on your return. Like, how did that make you feel? Uh, yeah, it kind of it kind of hurt because uh, when I when I go on the field and play for any club, I always give a hundred percent and I always uh, work hard for the team. So it did kind of hurt, but I kind of expected because because the like I said, people the perception people might think I just left on a free. I didn't care uh, mm-hmm. at the time, but uh, yeah, it did hurt because uh, it was a great great club that could have done a lot of things, but it's just the way it ended wasn't appropriate for the club, but like I said, it's my best interest at heart and uh, mm-hmm. what I need to do for me as a person. And uh, I didn't think what other people think about me. So uh, mm-hmm. it did kind of hurt in a way, but I kind of expected it because what the perception of me at the time was. Did it affect your performance, do you reckon, the first time you got booed there? Uh for the for the first part of the games, first part of the game, I think it did actually, because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you like you go to Loftus Road, the fans are on, you can hear every single thing. So. Yeah, yeah, every single <laughs> word. Yeah, you can hear every single word, even when I don't have the ball. People are yelling at me. Yeah, things like that. Yeah. But yeah, for sure, it did, it did, it did affect me for the, especially at the beginning, mm-hmm. and uh, I think yeah, because you can hear everything, every single thing, and the, like the crowd is right on top of you. So for sure. Have you ever been booed and felt you deserved it? No. Nah. Nah. See, I knew you were going to say no. You're such an attacker. I bet in games you've been diving, cheating, doing all that stuff and people boo you. And you're, oh, I'm just playing the game. I'm just playing the game, dog. <laughs> I never, well, I've never been booed for diving and stuff like that. What have I been you, Are you being serious? You've when? never, you, have you, all right, all right, okay. This is on record now. Have you ever dived in a game before? Of course. <laughs> have you dived in a game away from home? I might have. <laughs> might have. <laughs> Listen, you, so basically you've been booed before and you've probably deserved it because you've been cheating as an attacker. Okay, maybe, but I'm black those ones up, those booze up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, man. I love it. All right. So also speak I've been booed loads by the way, but that's irrelevant. Uh, speaking of um QPR, yeah. So the two of us we were involved in some really, really bad seasons, yeah, while we yeah. were there. Probably yeah. like career low seasons. Yeah. And you, myself, and a few others would get a lot of grief from our own fans. Like, I'm not talking about, say, Jose Bosingo grief, like when he was there. <laughs> or say, Stefan and Beer grief, because that was different. <laughs> that was like pantomime villain different. But, like, how did you used to cope with it? Uh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, two times, two times one part. <laughs> 
uh, at the time I was young, so I kind of I kind of dealt with it different. Sometimes I'd go home and it it would affect me, and I'd think about it for a few days. But uh, certain times, I would just get back out there and train the field and uh, work work hard and try try my hardest to to rectify my mistakes and stuff like that. But I think as a young player, it it affects you. It like as a young player, it affect you more than as senior players at the time. At the time I was young, and I I, I expected people expected more of me at the time, and then. When you go to a different environment and things are not going your way, and mm-hmm. the fans get on top of you, if you can see it affected my football at times, at times as well, because uh-huh. certain times I'd feel like I'm on the field and I'll play the safe pass instead of yeah. uh, taking risks where it could it could change games. And mm-hmm. I think as a young player, it did affect me at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree because there were times in my six and a half because you were there for a while, but I was there for six and a half years, and there were times when we were just not winning games mm. and the fans were making it very clear who they liked and didn't like. Yeah. But when you knew that they didn't like you and you're going there and you probably weren't going to win, like mm. winning, it's like, it solves everything. Exactly. It solves every problem. Fans will be happy. Players will be happy. If you're not playing well, it doesn't matter because you're winning. But mm. when a team's playing badly and you're losing, people look for a scapegoat. And it, at times, like, not throughout the whole time, but there were spells where like, it was such a hot, it took me like an hour and a half to get to the stadium. The whole time I'm thinking about, people don't even want to see me here. Step out on the field, I get booed before the game, get booed in the game, get booed after the game. People yeah. waiting for me outside the game. Like that stuff is tiring. Trust me. And it, and it, does, it does affect you on the field as well. Especially... 100%, yeah. 100%. Because no one has, a, firstly, no one has a perfect game. Yeah. But when you, you know that if you make a mistake, you're going to know all about it. That stuff will not Trust disappear. Me. Trust me, A good example of like overcoming that though, I don't know if you know this, but um, so Bobby Zamora, yeah, QPR legend now, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So we were on the bench together one time in the season when we got promoted, I think it's 2013-14. And like the fans from the year before really didn't like him, like hated mm. him. Like I think yeah. they probably, in terms of like hate, rankings there's jose basingua stefan and beer you oh no <laughs> stefan and beer bobby you then me i think that was like the that's the hierarchy of like hate at the club at the time and like the fans really didn't like bobby but what they didn't realize was the fact that some of the hate like it was coming from a place which they didn't need to come from but i remember we were on the bench and bobby said to me i guarantee you they'll love me before i leave <laughs> I was thinking, Bobby, mate, you've been drinking. You need to just relax, yeah, because they hated him with a passion. I but, no, you might not remember it, and I thought it sounded nuts because the fans hated him so much, but they didn't realize that he was playing through a bad hip injury. Yeah, I remember, I but, remember that. But what he was doing, he was showing real desire and character to go out there and try and do his best for the team, even when he wasn't 100%. Like, mm. a lot of fans say they want commitment. But they also, you know, they also wanted to refer to performance, but he wasn't performing his best, but he was showing commitment to try and do his best for the team. You know, he was not shirking it or anything like that and he refused to draw attention to it. Yeah. So then the next thing, that playoff game you mentioned against Wigan, bro, he was 12 out of 10. I think he came on off the bench and he bullied that kid at centre-back. Oh my goodness gracious yeah. me. We've never seen anything like it. It was literally like Shaq, Shaq playing against, I don't know, Kemba Walker or something <laughs> like that. It was insane how he bullied him. I remember him. he was a beast. Oh, it's it incredible. Like, you, you won a penalty from him, didn't you? Set, set yeah. one up. Yeah. yeah it was, pick and roll. That's a, that's a classic pick and roll. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was, <laughs> it was tough. But he was incredible that day. 
And then you get to the final and you help assist in him scoring the goal, which got us promoted, which is one of the most famous goals in the club's recent history. You know, like what a day that was. So it's fair to say he became a cult hero and he backed yeah. his words. He backed his so, words. So, you know, that's, that's, that's he existence. said it. That's, that's he said it and it. he and he did it. He did it. And like, what? firstly, what a day that was. But, you know, what were your feelings about that game, the, the playoff final game? Because I have mine. <laughs> Let me have a confession here. I need, I need to let people know. So when um, Gary O'Neill got sent off, like that was my fault because I gave the ball away in midfield. And the next thing, we were, we were doing fine. <laughs> and the next thing, I gave the ball away. They were going through. He chopped them down. We're down to 10 men. I'm like, oh my God, I've cost the team the whole season. <laughs> literally, game 49. Well. Literally, I thought, I've, I've, because I was having a good enough game before then. Yeah, I said, that's it. Well, yeah, comfortable is generous. But yeah, we, uh, I thought, this is my fault. I've I've blown it, but then next thing I see Bobby score that goal, like one of the highlights <laughs> of my saw, career. I saw you the first one on his back when he scored. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the quickest I've ever moved. <laughs> the re- honestly, the relief, the relief was unbelievable. But yeah, how was how was that game for you? Like, do you remember Boy. playing well, playing badly? How do you how do you remember it? I remember we started off well the first twenty minutes, and then they got into the game and they had a few chances, and then mm-hmm. when we came out second half and got the red card. He was under the cosh, boy. He was getting peppered. Oh, <laughs> was my getting, God. He was getting oh peppered. And then God. when I, re- I looked up, I see 80 minutes. I'm like, let's just, re- let's just reach to overtime. Get get mm-hmm. into penalties and that. And mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. yeah, and then we hardly got up into the final third, huh? Yeah. D- listen, I didn't was know there getting- was a final third. <laughs> they were just playing to the halfway line. We was getting peppered. And then, mm-hmm. was it a throw-in? And I swear I missed it. I missed control it. I missed control it and... It went over and, yeah, <laughs> and then I, <laughs> I was just like, "Fuck it, let me just chase it down." I got tackled and I just, I seen Bobby running, but my leg uh-huh. was so tired from the fender. <laughs> it was the worst cross ever. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so bad though. Like Keogh struggled to clear it, and the next yeah. thing, ball falls to Bobby Zamora on his left. That's cash. And then cash. when he finished that, oh, I was man. like, "Yes!" I was yeah, like, "Yes!" For real, man. For real. Especially because Derby that day. They then needed to move the ball quickly and kick it long, but that's not their style. Yeah. So they didn't really know how to do it. So he played into us because you kick a ball in the box, Richard Dunn's heading that away. Facts, exactly. You know what I mean? No exactly. questions. But to change the subject again, so you as a player now, you've been promoted twice, I believe. Yeah. Relegated three times. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a bit yo-yo-ish, you know what I mean? But we'll, <laughs> we'll, it's not this because, you know, at least you taste the big league. Exactly. But what type of mentality do you think is needed to be promoted from the championship? Uh, champ- the championship is a hard league, man. Because you know, on any given day, anybody could beat anybody. I mm-hmm. think. Um, I think the most important thing about uh, championship is uh, the you have to be consistent, and uh, there's always going to be a moment in the championship, a spell where it's not going your way. Like I remember uh, Cardiff at Christmas period, we lost four in a row. And we like dropped out of the top six and everybody thought like it was finished for us. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we went on a run and we won eight in a row. So I think uh, mentally, I think champion, you got to be mentally strong because mm-hmm. uh, you could go to to any, go to the bottom, uh, well, you could say the, the bottom team and they could turn you over 3-0 on any given mm-hmm. day. So mm-hmm. any team could be anything. So I think you have to be mentally strong for the, for the championship. 
so when you get closer towards the end of the season and your team's up at the top, like there's an expectation that you will gain automatic promotion or, you know, you'd be the top six. So there's that type of pressure. And then you follow through, you do it, you get promoted. And from going, you then go from being favorites to get promoted to all of a sudden your favorites to go down. Like, how do you then overcome that mentality in terms of being the underdog after you spent the last year being the favorite? Yeah, that's that's tough because you you coming from a, a a season where everything is going your way, you're winning games and uh, everything's fine to go into the big league where you know one mistake in the game is in the back of your net. So, uh-huh. so I think that's that's the turning point where you go to the Premier League and uh, you're playing against players that's that's if you give them a sniff, they're gonna they're gonna punish you and uh, I think that's hard because people already you go into the game already doubting yourself yeah oh so I think that's I think that's tough and especially with uh if you if you're going into the game with your team already thinking you lost it is very it's very tough and it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult going to <laughs> going to man city trying to yeah. play your style of football or trying to get possession when you know you're yeah, just going to be trying defended. to see the ball. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're just going to be defended for 90 minutes. Yeah, so. please, can we borrow the ball for a minute? Please, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. From my times playing in both leagues, the Premier League is like, it feels like it's more clinical front to back. Yeah, you make exactly. a, if you miss, you miss a chance up top, you might not get another chance again in the you game. You might not get another chance, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you may, you mess up at the back the other team scores and that could be the end of the game like exactly. the importance of the, the value of the first goal because people know how to win games there yeah. whereas I think at times in the championship yes people do know how to win games but you also seem to get more opportunities you know that whole exactly. thing of a strike and miss is like so right, you'll get another one you'll get another one chances are you'll get another opportunity yeah. like oh if you mess up at the back it's not the conversion rate feels different it's you know you've got cool. some strikers in the championship who are like stone cold killers but some of those are exceptions as opposed to the norm. Whereas I feel exactly. like in the top division, everyone's earned the right to be there. So exactly. these are top quality players who make the fewest mistakes. So if you come in making mistakes, it's a long old season, huh? Boy, and uh, it's it's tough, man. Cause yeah, it's it's tough because I think in the Premier League as well, they all, uh, your tactics have to be spot on on mm-hmm. the day as well. If you go yeah, into the game sure. with wrong tactics. <laughs> It's gonna Don't, be a long day for you, man. No, that's, that's that's facts. And even like looking through fixtures, you're like, ah, okay, cool, cool, cool. Got a big game coming up in a couple of weeks against. Yeah, this team will will be all right. Yeah, this the next thing you lose that game is like, all right, who's next? Ah, right, we got United away, and then uh, we've got Liverpool at Anfield. And, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> so you think you're like, in your mind you're thinking you're not gonna get a point for like a month, man? <laughs> yeah, man. Like you're you're hoping to, you're hoping to, saying, come on, we can go and do this. But, like, the reality of football is sometimes, like, especially in the Premier League, some of the most frustrating games have been games where you've played well and you came away with nothing. Nothing, nothing, yeah. Nothing at all. Like, how do you overcome that mentality? Because you know that as well as you've played, you've not played that well the whole season. Exactly. So the next next week, you might not play that well. And what what are you expecting? But anyway, anyway. So you personally, you've had some really good seasons. And then you've had some which haven't gone your way and you, you kind of alluded to this before, but like what are the biggest factors do you think for you and your game that will really that really affects your performance throughout a season? Uh, 
What do you mean, like, um, like, like, is it the coaching? Is it the club's style? Is it just like the club itself, or is it your teammates? Like, what, what is it? What, what really affects you in terms of trying to find a, a, you being productive? I think, um, uh, it's, for me, it's a club style as well as um, the the manager giving you that confidence and uh, backing you a hundred percent. Say even if you have one bad game, you know that he's going to play you the next game and the game after that instead of saying, oh, you just have, if you have one bad game, you're back onto the bench. So I think if you have that confidence, the manager gives you that confidence and gives you that, that belief, make you have that free spirit to go out and play your game and uh, try things instead of being safe. I think yeah. that's what uh, gets the best out of me. Do you know, you said something there which can be contradicted as well because say in times when you're not playing you want to be given the opportunity but if you mm. see a manager playing someone who's not playing well like that frustrates you as a substitute as well doesn't it yeah that's that's true that's true but that's 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 um that's part of the game as well if um if your, if your manager doesn't like i've been on the other side where manager does not give me any chance at all and that also it's also it's also hard for a player and then you have to you only have probably half a chance to get into the team and if you don't take that yeah. half a chance you're back on the bench or not even involved for another 10 games so it's, yeah. it's tough as well so yeah so you've had a you've, oh is that you yeah, yeah we go. so you've had a couple of coaches where you've been like <laughs> hopelessly out of favour I saw yeah. it firsthand. yeah from a time I think it was the end of pre-season we'd just done a training session it's like right let's go and do shooting drill and I was doing a shooting drill and I looked over and I think it was you and Jay Manuel Thomas, you got told, no, you're not allowed to do this shooting drill. You got to go and do some running. running. <laughs> and I was like, me as a defender, I, I, I'm allowed to do shooting, but <laughs> they're doing the running. I thought, all right, okay. But like, how how did you cope with those situations? Because I've got my own story, but you know, as I say, I want to I ask you first. Oh, those, that, I think one, that was one of the toughest, toughest part of my, part of my career. But I was lucky to have players around me that could uh, help me going into an environment that's negative for me, but make it positive by just being around good people to to back mm-hmm. me in. Uh, I'll also have that belief in me. If I didn't have teammates that uh, wouldn't care if I'm not performing or or mm-hmm. not in the team at all, it would have made the, that time, that spell, even harder for me to mm-hmm. even go out and train and try and work hard and give my all. But mm-hmm. I think at that time I had likes of you and other players that was uh, genuine people and it was good to be around and it gave me that, that confidence to go into the that environment and really express myself in training yeah. and help me get yeah. through tough times. Yeah, for sure. Those were those were bad times. Like I, I, I felt bad for you and a couple of others in that moment because it didn't yeah. seem it didn't seem to make sense, but we don't hold the power. So all yeah. we can do is control what we control and just let you know that, you know, we thought you were of value. So here's my confession. <laughs> this is me like seeking closure from the galaxy. Yeah? So <laughs> when Mancini came in at City, mm. I wasn't playing. It felt like he didn't like me as a player, didn't like me as a person, as a person yeah. didn't like my haircut, didn't like my boots, didn't <laughs> like my car. Like <laughs> there was something going on. It was nuts. And it, I'll be honest, for a little spell, it, it broke me. Like I was having mm. sleepless nights and things like this. And I think where I really struggled looking back is was the fact that there was never any feedback or closure from him. Mm. So 
he was acting in a way in which he didn't like me, but I never knew why he didn't like me. And to this day, he's still not said why he didn't like me as a player or a person. Yeah. But I was always used to getting feedback. And I think when you have no idea, like, how do you respond? There's nothing better as a player, say, when someone says that maybe you're not this or maybe not that, and you prove them wrong and they yeah. say, yeah, I was wrong. Yeah. This is who you are. Because you've, like, elevated your performance in a way whereby they had to change their mind. Yeah. But when you kind like, I could have, I could have been, I could have scored twenty five goals in training in a week and conceded none, and I guarantee you, I was still the nineteenth man for the game on a Saturday, like no questions asked, and not knowing like why that was. That's that's true. I remember, I remember, at that store, there would be trainings where I'd, sessions where I lighted up, or even I remember one game where everybody thought I did, I did amazing, mm-hmm. and then I got, I got pulled off, and he, everybody had to go at me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was thinking, yeah. I was thinking, I just played, I just played a decent game. But I think, yeah. they, I think it was I, like you said, you wanted that 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 clarification where they tell you and honestly what they think about you, but they always yeah. find one little mistake, yeah. even if it's not a mistake, to yeah. get down on you. But yeah, I think it, I think that was a tough time as well. Yeah, it's the danger of being the scapegoat, really. I think yeah. one thing I loved about say when Jimmy was coach um, with us at QPR was that he came down on everyone the same. Exactly. You yeah. know, so if you did well, you say you did well. If you did badly, it doesn't matter whether you're the captain or you're the 25th man, like you were getting the full energy. You know what I mean? And it's like, true. I respect that because it keeps you more on your toes. Yeah. You know, whether you agree with his tactics or don't like him as a person, whatever, like he, I, he was the closest coach I've seen in recent time who comes to being held as fair. You know, mm. and I feel like as a player, that's that's all that's all you want because then you can you know you can you adapt can live your behavior it. around yeah. it. But anyway, you you're playing pretty good now. You know, you seem pretty settled now. You've got a coach who who loves you, and you know you're highly favored, so that's all good. But again, it highlights the sort of difference in football, pro football, about the expectation versus reality. You know, we talk about it on Instagram based on pictures and all this, but the expectation as a player is you come through an academy, you play for a first team, you play week in, week out, you stay there the whole time, you do well, fans love you, you retire, happy days. And then as I got older, I realized this is less than 1% of all players that are doing this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, rea- the reality of the situation is, you know, it's actually hard to try and find success in an environment where somebody actually wants you because it's a game of opinions. Exactly. You, know, you could have you could have a stat that says you score a goal every game. You could have scored a goal. You could have scored forty-six goals in a championship last year, but it doesn't mean that every team in a championship and a premiership will want you, even though on paper this is what it says, and the numbers are serious, you know. And that's I'm a stats man, so that's hard for me to overcome. But like as I say, the reality of the situation is, you know, the majority of players that are professionals right now, they're just trying to find, they're trying to get on the right side of opinion and give themselves the opportunity to do what they love doing. But I'm happy that, you know, you've got that now. So let's have a little look back here. Uh, in terms of your career, if there was a moment which you had to re- which you could relive again, which would it be? I think my 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 promotion season with um I think my promotion season with Cardiff or uh breaking coming through as a young boy at Blackburn. I think uh okay. I think coming through as a young boy at Blackburn and uh getting breaking cementing my team cementing myself into the first team was mm-hmm. uh was a uh, great for me and a great uh, stepping stone in one in my career and yeah. uh, uh prom- the promotion season with cardiff i think that was one where everybody doubted us at the beginning of the season 
and throughout the season, and nobody expected us to to get promoted that year. I automatic promotion at, at that as well, and we had a squad that that wasn't the best on paper, but uh, we had a very family orientated uh, team and a brotherhood amongst the mm-hmm. squad that mm-hmm. pushed through in games, and I think that was a special year for. Uh, All right. Cardiff so how about well. a moment? How about a moment which you could erase from your memory? Erase. Uh, a relegation year at Cardiff. The, I mean, not Cardiff. Uh, QPR. <laughs> I was say, the Cardiff one wasn't that bad. No, the QPR one was, it was wild. Yeah, yeah that, was, that, that was bad. We're going 16 games without a win. That, oh my that was God. frustrating and embarrassing, man. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. So for you, you've got Jamaican parents, yeah? Yeah. So why did you choose Canada over Jamaica? Uh, Canada's where I grew up. That's uh, I was born there. I knew half of my, half half of my, the players on the team I grew up with, and it's my friends. And uh, I knew at the time Canada was uh, trying to achieve things, and that's when I wanted to be a part of. You were a glory hunter of the high. <laughs> seriously, oh my god, it's so coming out now. All right, so with that Canada team, yeah. Who has more potential to have a bigger year in 2020, 2021? Jonathan David or Alfonso Davies? That's a good question. Ah. Three times you've said that. Uh, all this yeah. is free. I have not paid him anything for this. <laughs> well, Alfonso Davies, he's coming off a year where he just won the Champions League and uh, he's put in performances where uh, people have put him on the pedestal as one of the best left backs in the world at the moment. And mm. I think Jonathan Davis just made that move to a, a bigger uh, a bigger team in a better league. And I think this could be a pivotal year for him as well, where he could really put his 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 name on the on the market for for bigger clubs to look at. But who's gonna have a bigger year, Junior? I'm just saying, Alfonso just came off a big year. Who's going to have a bigger year, Junior? Uh, I'll, th- uh, I'll think Alfonso Davis because he's, he's, he's going to really put a stepping stone again on this year. All right. he's, in a, he's, in a, he's in a team where they have... Oh, shut up. Move on. We're moving on. You're just waffling now. <laughs> <Would you? laughs> I've only got a couple more questions, but I'm not going to let you carry on like that. No, people go and sleep here. So would you say your career has gone the way that people who knew you expected it to go? Um, I don't think people... I'll say no. I think people expected me to achieve more in my career and... The way it was going that time, I think people expected me to be in a bigger club mm-hmm. and uh, play at a uh, bigger, uh, higher level than I, I played at. So mm-hmm. I'll say no. Do you know, that's such an honest answer, just like said in just a real casual way. Like, how can you give those answers there? For, but for the past hour, you've been talking nonsense. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I, I swear. Do you know, sometimes, like, me doing this podcast, I sometimes regret asking people to come on. <laughs> 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 uh, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So, one, you're to be fair as well, with that comment, you're 30 years old, just mm-hmm. turned. So, your career 
it's whatever the path is is the path but it's nothing to say that the next stage can't be even better than everything that came before so we don't know yeah so hopefully that comes but my final question you have to pick a -a five-a-side team of players that you've played with that would be the best to compete against say someone else's Mm -hmm. five-a-side five-a-side so five and a goalkeeper or five nah because that would be six so five-a-side so five, right. so keeper would be Julio Cesar. Okay, yeah, because he's nice, huh? He's nice, though. He, <laughs> he was making people in training. That was bad. Yes, Julio Cesar is nice, yeah. Uh, I would have to put a delta out. His, mm-hmm. feet, his feet was a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rio Ferdinand. Uh-huh. Defense. Uh, midfield. I'm going to put in midfield. I'll put Loic Remy up front. Okay. Okay. And I need a, I need, a, I need another playmaker in the midfield. <laughs> He's going all out attack. <laughs> uh, who else? I'll put Fonzo Davis in there then. All right. Okay. Champions League, Jonathan Davis getting no love. <laughs> Jonathan Davis getting no love from you whatsoever. No, You're no, no. Bad teammate. You're a bad teammate. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> no but that's, that's great man thank you very much for coming on the show appreciate you man appreciate good it, to man. see your face again love to the family and good luck in this season's push for promotion my brother thank you very much thanks brother so there you go ladies and gentlemen Junior is a really good friend of mine and we're blessed to have shared some great moments together hope you enjoyed hearing his story and that you can appreciate a new perspective about being a professional footballer for a club which isn't solely focused on winning trophies at the highest level. But anyway, thanks for listening. And thanks to the most important part of the show, producer Ryan Hale, a media manager, Skylar Warwick. And thanks to Mountaineer Studios, Draper Utah. Stay safe and stay tuned. <laughs> Shout out to Tupac Life. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. Hello, is it me you're looking for? Oh, we're recording as well. Best thing. I didn't know if you were going for Adele or not. You see, I've got to go for the original. You know what I mean? I was um, like, where does he go next? Where does he take it? (laughs) Listen, I am modern, but nah.